Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Scott Nason with you as we are joined by co-host Daniel Scarpino. And Daniel, it's been well a little while since we've done a show. We're hoping to do at least one a month here throughout the season. However, the way things have been going already in the world of soccer, we'll probably have to do a couple a month. How you doing, sir? And welcome back to the game. Oh, I'm doing very well, Scott, and definitely uh, the way that things are going, it's looking like we'll be having to do more and more. But, yeah, definitely uh, doing good. Summer's coming to its end, but all is well in, uh, in my neck of the woods. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and, yes, we are recording this show on September 1st and the day after transfer deadline day in the world of soccer. And, boy, did it deliver and end with a bang yesterday. Uh, so many moves to go over, Daniel. And uh, let, let's start, obviously, with the big one. It didn't happen on deadline day. But Cristiano Ronaldo, who many people thought were going to Manchester City, he is going back to Old Trafford. Certainly, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson appears to have played a key part in this, as you would expect. He's still very much involved with that franchise Ronaldo going back to Manchester United. I just want your thoughts on that. Certainly, we'll see him after the international break, which we'll talk about here coming up. But Ronaldo back in the Premier League. You know me, Daniel. I'm a Chelsea fan, but I love having him back in the Premier League. Absolutely. I think for every fan, this is sort of a a feel-good and sentimental signing, even if you're not a fan of Manchester United like yourself or myself. Um, But I, I think that it's important in terms of us assessing Ronaldo going back to Old Trafford, going back to Manchester United. He is not going there to simply end his career. He's going there to win things. He's going there with hunger, desire, ambition. He wants to see the club do well. He wants to continue to do well in his career. And I think that uh, at this particular moment in time, obviously Manchester United have very good attacking players. I think they've built a very fantastic squad. They spent a good amount of money, and they're probably at this particular moment in time only one holding midfielder away from being absolute title contenders in the Premier League and possibly winning themselves a Champions League. But um, I love to see the fact that Ronaldo has gone back to Manchester United. It would have certainly felt weird had he gone to City. So I think that, in for all intents and purposes, I think that this is a brilliant signing. Yeah, Manchester United also signing at Jaden Sancho and Raphael Barney. Uh, Manchester City, uh, you know, they did make a, a big move on a transfer deadline day, but they get Jack Grealish earlier. Uh, Arsenal ends up spending the most of all the clubs in England, around £165 million on six different players. You also have, of course, earlier uh, Romelu Lukaku moving to Chelsea. Chelsea also with an, another move yesterday, getting Saul from Atletico Madrid. And, and certainly the richer getting richer in the Premier League, Daniel. And this really sets up for what I think is going to be one of the best title uh, runs as far as uh, contenders in this. I mean, you have Tottenham right now on top of the table. They get back Harry Kane. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to Man City. He doesn't. You have Liverpool up there, of course, Chelsea, Manchester United. You can't count out Leicester City, and you, you can't count, count out uh, Manchester City as well. So this really sets up for a very exciting Premier League this season. Oh, it definitely does. And I think if you take a look at the uh, the money spent, it just goes to show that the Premier League um, was quite clear in terms of being the best domestic league in all of Europe. However, um, the ambition of every club to, to really succeed and not just compete, but to want to win trophies, I think is 
unbelievable. Obviously, as you said, Tottenham, uh, I think just the fact that they retained Harry Kane was huge. Liverpool, even though they didn't spend a bunch of money, they got a bunch of uh, a few players uh, re-signed on deals, most notably uh, Jordan Henderson. Uh, obviously, Chelsea has, have made so many moves, as you said. Manchester United, they've bolstered their attack. And uh, with the addition of Varane, uh, they look a solid squad. Manchester City, with the signing of Grealish, um, they're still particularly, they're not with a striker at the minute. But, um, you know, I think the Premier League is certainly shaping up to be one of the best that we've seen in recent memory. And you, like you said, you can't count out, count out teams like Leicester, West Ham, Everton, etc. So um, it's going to be fantastic to see what happens this year in the Premier League. And, of course, uh, the big news in soccer before Ronaldo was Lionel Messi going to PSG. You also have Sergio Ramos uh, being signed, uh, Donnarumma, along with Wijnaldum. And yesterday, Kylian Mbappe, who thought maybe we're going to go to other pastures. Uh, he is staying in PSG. So I think they are the heavy favorites in uh, the French League or League One, if you will. Uh, PSG certainly they got all the tools, I think, for a big run this year. 100%. And what I will say on that is if PSG don't win League One, I, I, I don't know what I'll do. I'll, <laughs> I'll sell my house. I'll do something because, I mean, it's just insane to think of the, the quality in their team that they have. Uh, they've been able to keep Mbappe now. He's not going to go to Real Madrid. Um, it's just incredible, and it's almost unfathomable to think that one team can sign that many players, but they can, and they have done. And I think success for this season will not just look like them winning League One or winning uh, domestic trophies. I think they must reach at least the Champions League final. Otherwise, their fans will probably look at the season as being somewhat of a failure because when you have that amount of quality in your team – the expectations and the standards automatically raise, and they, they are unbelievable. So I think that they will walk League One, and they should uh, they should make a really good run in the Champions League for sure. There's so many different signings, and we won't have time to go over every single one, but as far as the, the transfer deadline deals and just some others that, that we haven't mentioned, are there, are there any other uh, big-name signings that you're looking at as far as really helping some of these teams, not just in their domestic leagues, but in Champions League, Europa League, and some others? Well, I think in terms of the signings this this, uh, this summer in this transfer window, I think the big ones we've already named. But one of the points that I did want to mention is that I think some people kind of get disconnected from the idea that a transfer window is only to bring players in. I think right. sometimes in terms of outgoings, I think that that could really help a team. So Arsenal right now are in complete disarray. But in terms of the players that they've sent out on loan or the players that they've gotten out of the club outright, I think that that can be a positive thing. Liverpool didn't spend a ton of money in this transfer window. But like I said, the signings that they made are huge. Uh, Tottenham, I think that they've done simple business, but good business. So I, I don't think that there's any other players necessarily that we need to talk about in tremendous detail. But sometimes in a transfer window, what you send out sometimes is almost as good as what you bring in. Yeah, and, and looking at, I think, some of the teams, Daniel, that really uh, improved their lot. Obviously, we talked about PSG. Uh, it certainly helps that they have owners from Qatar's ruling family as uh, they probably enjoyed one of the best transfer windows we've seen in a long time. And uh, this team just seems stacked. Uh, we talked about Manchester United. I mean, I really think they have set themselves up for uh, a title run. I don't know if maybe if they didn't get some of these players that they would uh, maybe be in, included in the title run with the Chelsea's and the Man City's and Liverpool's of the world. I also think Leicester City, uh, you know, they, they didn't really 
really do a lot as far as signings, but, you know, they're sticking with what got them there is focusing on, you know, the up and coming players uh, with high potential from other European leagues. And, you know, this is a team, obviously a few years ago, Daniel, when they were, you know, 5,001 odds to win the premier league, we may never see that again in the premier league or we might, but this is a team that I think a lot of people thought, okay, you know, they win the premier league, but they've managed to stay up and not just stay up but get themselves in, in Europa leagues and champions leagues position. It, it's just a good story for Leicester city. And, and it's, a, it's a club that I certainly root for. It's kind of hard not to what, what they've already done and what they continue to do. Oh, I fully agree with that. And if you take a, a look at a club like Leicester, they have the infrastructure. They have an owner who really cares about the club, who has instilled the values of the club in just about every facet uh, of the team that they currently have. They have an unbelievable manager in Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I think that they've, they've spent tremendous money in the right areas. They focus, as you said, on the youth and the younger players coming through. They've put a lot of money into their training facility. Leicester City do things, as you would say, the right way. And it's a very close-knit club. And like I said, and as you said earlier, Scott, you can't look past the likes of West Ham, who spent a little bit of money, who are now in the Europa League as well. Everton, Rafa Benitez, he's he's looking like he's doing a fantastic job at Everton as the manager and the players that they have there. So I think, you know, the Premier League is is fantastic this season and uh, every team certainly is taking steps forward. But uh, yeah, you have to you have to take a look at teams like Leicester, West Ham and Everton. You have to tip your cap to them because uh, they do a remarkable job, even though they're not considered one of the big six teams. On the other side of the coin, Daniel, a couple clubs I think that are in a lot of trouble, and there are a couple big-name clubs, including Barcelona and Inter Milan. As a matter of fact, the Premier League led the way in spending over the summer in the transfer window, uh, spending around £1.35 billion. Ironically, that's about as much as the debt of Barcelona. They lost Messi <laughs> and obviously not being able to sign. And then Inter Milan, again, a team that won Serie A last year, also having financial difficulties. So in soccer, probably more than any other sport, if you want to compete at a high level, you got to have an owner that's willing to spend money. That's just the reality of the world of soccer. And those two clubs right now, they're going to have a lot of trouble, I think, this season. I fully agree with you, and I think that we could also probably toss Real Madrid into that conversation. Yes. I, yeah, I, th- I found it to be very weird that Mbappe was linked with them because I'm thinking to myself, you just pleaded for six months that you were in tremendous debt. How are you going to go and sign one of the best players in the world for uh, you know copious amounts of money? And as you said, the, the the way that soccer has shifted, it is a money game. And if you have money, you can sign talent, and then you can compete for trophies at the absolute highest level. If you don't, the reality of the situation is you probably are going to struggle. That's why you have to really take teams who don't have a lot of money and who continue to compete and continue to do well. You have to really tip your cap to them. But, yeah, the the likes of Barcelona, Inter, uh, Real Madrid, they, they've had tremendous financial difficulties, and it's it's really sad to see. But this is not just a recent issue. This is years and years and years of accumulating debt, and now it's just coming to fruition. Obviously, the pandemic didn't help, but um, this is the nature of soccer, and these clubs are in a little bit of disarray, and we'll have to ultimately see what happens as this season goes along. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you on this special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. And, Daniel, the 
Big five leagues in Europe are underway. They're taking a little bit of a break here over the next 10 days for the international break, which we'll talk about here in our next segment. Let's just kind of just go around the leagues uh, quickly here. Uh, Obviously, not a lot of matches have been played, but unlike uh, the North American leagues, the NHL, the NFL, Really, every game matters, in my opinion, in these leagues. Let's start with my favorite league, the Premier League right now, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, with Harry Kane back off to a perfect start, uh, top of the table while you have quite a few teams chasing. We've already mentioned most of them in West Ham, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Everton. And then the other side of the coin right now, the relegation zone, uh, maybe not a shock Nord City in there right now. Wolverhampton, I think, has played pretty well, but they yet to get a point. And one near and dear to you, Arsenal. What is going on with Arsenal? I watched a couple of their matches, their first match against Brighton and then Man City. Yes, they got a red card, but they were outshot in that match 25 to 1. Possession 81 to 19. <laughs> and then going to Brighton and losing 3 0, or uh, excuse me, Brentford. I, I, I get those two mixed up. It's certainly not good times for Arsenal. What is going on there and just overall in the Premier League so far? Well, I'll speak to Arsenal first. As you said, very near near and dear to my heart. I've been following the club since I've been eight years old, so it's going on 20 years now for me. And I've wow. never seen my club in such disarray. It's truly heartbreaking to see that um, what has become of what is one of the biggest clubs, not only in England, but all of Europe. Um, I think ever since Arsenal moved to the Emirates, we've, signed, we've kind of seen this downward spiral. And in quote-unquote from our owners – We were told that we are moving to the Emirates because we need to be competing with the likes of Bayern Munich and winning the Champions League. Well, we're not in the Champions League. We're not in Europa League. We're not in the conference. We are last place in the Premier League. And it is an absolute mess from top to bottom. Um, A lot of people are pointing the finger at Mikel Arteta, the manager, and that's fine. And the players, quite simply, aren't good enough, and that's fine too. But if you take a look at the top, the ownership with the Kronkies, Vinay, Edu, the players who sign, uh, the guys who sign the players, the board, it's rotten from the top to the bottom. So as an Arsenal fan, I'm not going to be happy or satisfied once again until things change from the top. If you get rid of the manager, fine. If you want to get rid of the players, bring other players in, that's fine too. But it's a structural issue at Arsenal, and it's really sad to see what's happened to uh, one of the most beloved clubs in England. And as you said, at the top of the Premier League, it's, I hate to say it, but Tottenham, they're flying. Nuno <laughs> Me Esperito, too. <laughs> you know, Nuno Espirito Santo, fantastic with uh, what he's done with Tottenham. Harry came back in the fold. Then you take a look at the likes of your beloved Chelsea. They're doing fantastic under Tuchel. Uh, Man U, Manchester City, I think that they're going to continue to fly. Liverpool, and then, of course, you can't count out any of the other teams that we talked about earlier, Scott. Daniel, does Mikel Arteta make it through uh, this season? Obviously, you have Norwich coming back from the break. You would think that would be Arsenal's first victory. But, you know, he's talked about wanting to rebuild the squad with players in his image. How patient are Arsenal fans and ownership going to be with him if, you know, things continue? Well, they keep talking about this process. And depending on which articles and, and which spaces you look to read into, This is looking like they want to give him not just months, they want to give him years. And there are a lot of Arsenal fans right now that are looking for him to get the sack. I think that regardless of what happens, as long as they don't stay in the relegation zone, if they can get themselves up to, let's say, mid-table, maybe around around 12th position, something like that, uh, come October, November, they will keep him. And they'll keep him into next season, and they'll probably keep him into the season after that. Because I've never seen 
ever since Wenger left that they've focused so much on one particular process and one particular rebuild. Everything's been kind of, you know, shifted around little by little. But I think people think that he's going to get the sack soon. I just don't see it in that way. I don't think he's entirely the problem. I think that there's something there to do with it. But until these players are brought to the forefront and Mikel Arteta can get the best out of them, Arsenal are going to continue to struggle. And right now they're last in the Premier League because they have shown themselves to be the worst team in the Premier League at this particular moment in time. Yeah, shocking to see them at the bottom of the table. I don't expect that to continue. Uh, you know, they have too many good players, but they got to figure out a way to score not just goals, but a goal. A goal. score this season. And, and I'm really like when I'm seeing out of Chelsea. I mean, tackle what he has done. He just, he's just stroked uh, genius strokes with this squad and adding Lukaku. I think defensively, if there is a weakness, that might be their weak area. But, boy, Chelsea certainly uh, will be in the mix along with many of the other teams that you mentioned. Uh, the other four leagues, Daniel, again, real early in the standings. Uh, right now, Real Madrid uh, on top of the table. You also have Sevilla, Valencia, Barcelona, Atletico. No surprise there. PSG uh, undefeated, at, untied after four matches. They, I don't think, will be challenged. Uh, Serie A's only played two matches so far right now. You have Lazio, Inter, Roma, AC Milan, and Napoli, all with perfect records. No surprise there. In the Bundesliga right now, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg mm-hmm. excuse me, is at the top of the table. You have Leverkusen, Munich, Bayern Munich also in the mix. So really no big surprises so far there. What are your thoughts on just early play in the other four leagues? I would say that things are probably shaping up to be what we kind of expected. I think if if we take a look at City, uh, Juventus have kind of had a bit of a shaky start, but they will eventually pick things up. There's no question about that. And I think within the first probably seven, eight positions of City, uh, it's, it's probably going to be relatively tight. So I think apart from the Premier League, that's maybe the second best league that we can look to uh, this season in terms of entertainment. Um, We talked about League One earlier. PSG is pretty much going to walk that one. Uh, La Liga, all I can say on that one is I can understand why Barca and Real Madrid would want the Super League because uh, of their financial troubles. And, and, you know, I hope that a team like uh, Sevilla or Atletico can can go on and win it. I really do. And then the Bundesliga, uh, as you said, Wolfsburg are there, Leverkusen, Freiburg. But uh, Dortmund, I think, will will continue to, to push up the table. And I think, obviously, Bayern Munich will eventually find their way to the top as well. The Champions League scarps will start on September 14th, and we do know the groups. Uh, let's go through them. We'll, we'll go through them in uh, four each, starting with Group A. Boy, a pair of heavyweights in there with PSG and Man City, along with Club mm-hmm. Brugge and Leipzig. And Group B, that one also looks strong, uh, Liverpool. We'll be in a group with Atletico Madrid, AC Milan, and Porto. Group C, a little less daunting in my opinion. You have Ajax, uh, Borussia Dortmund, Sporting Lisbon, and Beskidis. And in Group D, you have Inter, along with Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk. I love the name of that team. And <laughs> Sheriff Kirasapol. Not too familiar with that squad. But just <laughs> of those four groups, Daniel, I think uh, Group A certainly is top heavy with PSG and Man City. And boy, Group B, that's a tough group. Liverpool, Madrid, AC Milan, and Porto. Really, I think any of those teams can win that group. I fully agree. I think, as you said, uh, the first group with Manchester City and PSG, I think it'll be between those two. I'm not exactly sure. I should have touched on it in, uh, in our Bundesliga conversation. I'm not really sure what's happening with Leipzig this this uh, season. They had yeah. a lot of players go out because they had so much young talent in their squad that other teams in Europe wanted to 
to get onto them. But I think Manchester City and PSG should find themselves at the top of Group A. And then, as you said, in Group B, that's a really uh, that's a tricky one because those are four unbelievable clubs. And at this moment in time, four really, really, really strong teams. So that one can go uh, in any direction. I think that Liverpool will find their way through. And I wouldn't be surprised if Atletico Madrid also found their way through. I think Milan might just get into that third position, have to drop into the Europa League. But they're still in a little bit of a build. They were able to get back into the top four in Italy, so they're well on their way as well. Looking at Group E, we have Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Benfica, and Dynamo or Dynamo Kiev. Group F, uh, Manchester United, along with Atalanta, Villarreal, and Young Boys. Uh, group G, uh, I think maybe the easiest group, if you will. You have Lille, Sevilla, Salzburg, and Wolfsburg. And in Group H, cup holders, I do have to say that as I'm a fan, Chelsea, will be with uh, Juventus, Malmo, and St. Petersburg. Again, the matches start on September 14th. Uh, Scarps, as far as those four groups, what are you looking at? Uh, uh, well, before I get to that, sorry, I should have touched on Group C and D. I think uh, I think Ajax and Dortmund will will likely go through that that Group C. Doesn't look particularly promising, I would say. Uh, group D, it's it's an interesting one with Inter and Real Madrid. Um, obviously, with the financial difficulties that they have, but against Shakhtar Donetsk and, and Sheriff, I think that they'll probably go through. Uh, group E, Scott, uh, that's that's a tricky one, but I, I really do believe that Bayern should top that one. And uh, wouldn't it be something if Barcelona couldn't get through in that second position? It'll be interesting to see how they match up with the likes of Benfica and, and Dynamo Kiev. In uh, Group F, I really still like Atalanta. They haven't had a, a brilliant start in City A yet. However, once they get into form, I think they're going to be brilliant. Manchester United, as we talked about earlier with the signings that they've made, they should go through as well. I think Villarreal will probably bow out. I don't think that they have a, a good enough squad uh, in terms of Champions League, but I could definitely see them dropping into uh, the Europa League and Unai Emery possibly winning another one over there. Uh, Group G, you know, there's there's not a whole lot in it. Um, maybe Lille, maybe Sevilla, maybe Wolfsburg. It's really tough to say that one's a, a bit of a tricky one for me. And then, as you said, in, in Group H, your Chelsea, the cup holders, and, and rightly so, I believe that them and Juventus will go through in that group. Yeah, not too many disagreements on my part, Daniel. I think the uh, the favorites will all go through that you mentioned. The, the one I think the biggest question mark is Barcelona. Can Benfica or Dynamo Kiev make, maybe edge them out? Certainly, uh, we will look forward to seeing that. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you on this special edition of the Game Sports Show. Uh, we'll call it the late August edition. So we'll be doing another one here in September. And uh, the... World Cup qualifying for 2022 in Qatar uh, has started once again as we had a bunch of matches across Africa and Europe today. Uh, and the other zones will start on Thursday, including South America, Asia, and CONCACAF, as both the United States and Canada are in the field of eight in CONCACAF and will play tomorrow. The U.S. will be at El Salvador, and Canada will host Honduras. It's going to be a busy week, Daniel, with uh, all these teams because they're going to play three games during this stretch. Normally, they only play two. The United States will take on Canada and host Canada on Sunday night, and then the Canadians will host El Salvador next Tuesday, while the United States, another tough road match, they'll travel to Honduras. The U.S. looking to make their first World Cup since 2010 in South Africa, while Canada looking to make their seventh or second rather ever World Cup, the last being 1986 
in Mexico. Uh, Daniel, we certainly got some uh, maybe early indications on how these teams might perform with the Nations League and the Gold Cup. Uh, certainly the U.S. did very well in both, winning both. And Canada, I think, did uh, pretty well in the Gold Cup. Uh, what are you looking at as far as uh, the CONCACAF group? Certainly uh, they used to call it the hexagonal. I don't know what the eight-team uh, team, uh, rather, uh, set up is named. But just what are you looking for? Obviously Mexico, one of the favorites, the United States, certainly with their play, should, and I say should, make it through, but uh, hopefully they don't play Trinidad and Tobago again. No kidding. Uh, that was one of the that was one of the most shocking things I've seen in a long time, but I do agree that uh, the U.S. and Mexico are, are well on their way, certainly, and I think at this particular stage, especially with CONCACAF, if you compare it to that of, let's say, England, Italy, Portugal, all these teams that will be playing in their three games upcoming this week, with those international sides, it's about ideas, 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 and just trying to get things right, implementing the system again, getting all the guys back because they know where they're going to be come 2022, and that's at uh, the World Cup in Qatar. With CONCACAF, I think that it's a little bit more tricky. Uh, Canada, obviously, is is a little bit on the uh, on the periphery, if you will, a little bit on the outside looking in. But um, I don't know. There, there's a lot to look forward to. Again, I think the states, uh, I think – uh, Mexico and, and, you know, could, could a side like potentially, uh, Panama, could they go on? Could, could it be Costa Rica? It's, it's really difficult to say, but I'm really liking the way that things shape up and I'm definitely looking forward to September 8th when the U.S. Uh, hosts Canada. Does Canada have any chance to get through, Daniel, in your opinion? Uh, certainly uh, women's soccer in Canada doing very well, winning the Olympic gold medal. Women's hockey in Canada doing yes. very well, being the United States last night. Uh, does Canada have a realistic chance, if not to get in those, what is it, top three, I believe, qualifying, and then the fourth uh, goes into a playoff? Do they have any shot? Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. It's the top three, so that's why I say it's definitely going to be the U.S. just with the squad that they have and, and the development that they've had over the past few years, like you said, since 2010. Uh, I think that Mexico certainly will go through, and then maybe it's going to be a Panama, maybe a Jamaica, maybe a Costa Rica, and I think that Canada does have a realistic chance of potentially getting into a playoff. Maybe they could get that third spot. I liked a lot of what I saw at the Gold Cup. I think that they're probably a few years away from it. But again, it's football. Anything can happen. And uh, depending on if they can keep their players fit and healthy, I think that would obviously help their their case. But uh, they do have a realistic shot. And that's kind of all I can really see at this moment in time, because I definitely don't want to overstep at this particular moment. Looking at the MLS, Daniel, certainly into the meat and potatoes of their season. Uh, right now in the Eastern Conference, New England, they're just running away with it with 49 points. You have Orlando and National in second place with 35 points. Toronto FC, they are struggling this year in the bottom of the East. Out West, a pretty good race between Seattle and Sporting KC. The Sounders currently two points in front. Uh, again, I, I, I will admit I don't watch a lot of MLS. I know you watch some. What have you seen so far in the MLS? Well, what I have seen is that uh, if there was relegation, Toronto would probably come and play in the Sault Ste. Marie League. That's what it's <laughs> looking like. And, uh, my God, they've, they've had just a shocker of a season. But um, what I've seen, obviously, New England, are, they're absolutely flying. Seattle, they look a really strong side. Um, but one team that, that I've been looking at in, in the games that I have watched, um, is particularly in the, the latter part of the season here I really like Orlando City I think that they could possibly make some noise um, but the nice thing I would say about the MLS is that there is a decent amount of parity through and through and I think that's good particularly with uh, the playoffs coming around the corner 
Starks has been a very quick show, but we've gotten a lot of information out there. And, of course, as we head into September, that means local soccer. The Sioux High Blue Devil soccer team, high school-wise, the boys' team has been playing. They lost uh, earlier this week to Alpena. They won their first match on the road. What's going on in your neck of the woods uh, as far as local soccer and teams that you are very heavily involved with? Uh, well, in terms of what's happening locally, it's, I mean, it's, it's really, really, really awesome. Uh, obviously, youth soccer, they've, they're just finishing their summer season now, which is great. Um, but the teams that uh, are at the varsity level, uh, Sioux College just started their training camp, uh, I believe it was yesterday. And for us at Algoma, we get to start our training camp on Saturday. So our seasons are very much right around the corner just a touch on Sioux College, and this is all going to be put out on the game sports show, by the way, folks. Um, their first home game, Sioux College, is going to be on Saturday, September the 25th at 11 and 1 o'clock, respectfully, at uh, Superior Heights, men and women. Uh, they start their season, however, on September the 18th against Senca College on the road. And then for us at Algoma, as I said, we start our training camp this upcoming Saturday. Our season kicks off on September 25th on the road at McMaster University. And our first set of home games will be Saturday, October 2nd at Superior Heights, 12 and 2 p.m. So a lot to look forward to, Scott, here locally. And uh, I would say that, generally speaking, soccer in our city is, again, moving forward and, and hopefully in the right direction. And Scarps will certainly get you on our uh, flagship uh, show on the game, uh, the game on ESPN 1400, heard Monday nights uh, from 6 to 8. We'll probably get you on there that last week of September after your first matches on the road to preview your uh, home matches. So certainly looking forward to that. And we'll talk you more about the beautiful game. You know, there's not a lot of us around here, especially on this side, Daniel, as far as soccer fans. We're going to get... Our, our good friend Matt Pocket, and maybe on our next edition, who is a soccer fanatic and a Bournemouth fan, so certainly uh, unreal. Better better days have been <laughs> for him, uh, but maybe Bournemouth can make the jump to the Premier League. So certainly looking forward to uh, having you on the game, and we'll definitely have our next uh, special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition, probably a little before that, maybe mid September, because you know there's so much to talk about. And final question for you, Daniel, and I get this a lot, maybe from uh, you know maybe more casual soccer observers when they talk about the big five leagues in Europe in your opinion which one is the best now I think it's kind of switched over the years but I I don't think there's a whole lot of arguments right now as far as how good the Premier League has been I think they're the deepest of all the leagues I feel like if you had the bottom teams play the bottom teams out of the other leagues I think the Premier League would do very well but you look at how they've done in Champions League, in Europa League, I mean, they've they've had a lot of championships over the past few years. Is the Premier League the best league in Europe right now? It is, and I couldn't agree with you more, Scott. The Premier League is is the absolute best league in Europe. Um, I think that there there can be maybe let's say an argument for which league is the most tactical and maybe you could say it's City uh, or which right. league is the most aggressive and maybe you could make an argument for the Bundesliga but in terms yeah. of overall having quality of players really good coaching a lot of money uh, the infrastructure being there with so many different clubs the Premier League is I would say steps and steps ahead of the other uh, four leagues in Europe and they're by far the best uh, league in Europe for sure. And I can't say this enough as far as if any sport needed fans back, and they all do in my opinion, 
I think soccer is one. Watching those matches last year, yes, they were good matches. Yes, it was a great run, but not having fans in there, it just it adds so much to the game. I've been fortunate enough, Daniel, to be able to attend a, a handful of Premier League games when I lived in Europe uh, many years ago now. And uh, just having the fans back, uh, certainly we've seen some uh, not-so-good things with the fans, especially in France mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. But ju- just having that atmosphere, I mean, it, it just adds so much. And, I just think the game of soccer needs it. Ah, there's that there's that famous quote that football without fans is nothing, right? And and Jurgen Klopp right. was actually talking about it the other day. He's saying, you know, uh, without fans in a stadium, it's just the game. It's just the game. And and really, I, I couldn't agree more with him that the fans do make the sport perhaps more than any other sport. So it is brilliant to see that the fans are back in stadiums. And uh, let's hope it stays that way because it's been an amazing start to the season. We love to see fans back. Absolutely. It sure has. Well, Scarps, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on this special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. And uh, good luck in preparations for the upcoming local soccer season. Again, we'll get you on our ESPN 1400 show once the season begins. And uh, certainly we'll talk to you before then for our next edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Scott. Really enjoyed today. And I'm looking forward to being back with you in a couple of weeks to talk more soccer. Excellent. All of- Always fun, my friend, indeed. That's going to do it for this edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. For Daniel Scarpino, my name is Scott Nason. We will talk to you very soon for our next edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition here on your home for many things, local sports, regional sports, national sports, and more, thegamesportshow.com.